0: The COVID-19 pandemic has changed life for all of us. But even before this, we were already fighting an epidemic, the battle against chronic disease. And those with chronic diseases are at highest risk of contracting severe coronavirus infections. So how do we protect ourselves during these uncertain times? But more importantly, how do we view health? Welcome to the Glass Half Healthy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jonar a board-certified physician in internal medicine and lifestyle medicine. In this podcast, I want to address the current crisis of chronic disease and to challenge conventional attitudes towards health. We'll be exploring these issues with thought-provoking guests to help redefine what health should mean for all of us. I hope to inspire you to take action towards a happier, thriving life because good health comes to those who expect it. Hello everyone, I am Dr. Jonar, and this is my podcast, The Glass Half Healthy. I cannot believe we're almost two months into this since launch day, and for those listening for the first time, welcome to the podcast. It ranked in the top 200 podcasts in the US for health and fitness in its first week. I am really grateful to all you loyal listeners out there, and thank you all for tuning in. I've received some great feedback so far, So if you have any suggestions on topics you want to hear or how we can improve, hit me up at drjonar at gmail.com or direct message me on my social accounts, which you can find the links to in our show notes. Looking forward to hearing from you and really appreciate your support for my show. Okay, today is episode number 13 entitled Mindful or Mindful? Pause and be present with one of my launch day guests. So we have back on the pod Dr. Jesse Mahoney, MD, here to talk to you today about one of my favorite subjects, mindfulness. But before we get to that, a word from our sponsor. This episode of the Glass Half Healthy Podcast is brought to you by bananas. Bananas are rich in potassium, a mineral that is vital for your heart, your muscles, and overall health. And they are so easy to eat. You can peel, freeze, then blend them as a replacement for ice cream. Bananas, they're a peeling. Get it wherever fresh produce is sold. All right, back to the pod. Among the many pressing health topics in 2020, one of the most important to address right now is mindfulness. 2020, what a year. COVID-19, which has altered our lives in so many ways, work and school from home, continued social distancing and mask wearing, the ongoing racism and social injustice, and most recently, The West Coast fires and hurricanes hitting the U.S. coasts, keeping people indoors and some even more fearful for their safety. With the many external forces at play, it can feel like life is out of control. But the most important point here is to be aware of what is out of your control and how we can approach challenging situations on a daily basis in a practical and thoughtful way. So this episode is on mindfulness and why it's so important to practice right now. So back on episode 10, Transforming Your Mind in Times of Change, with Nancy Horazdik, we discussed stress management from a mind-body medicine approach. So if you haven't listened to that yet, please go back and take a listen to that one. Here we are focusing specifically on mindfulness. There are many different definitions of mindfulness, but one that resonates with me is by a professor out of UMass by the name of Dr. John Kabat-Zinn. A specialist in this field of study. He defines mindfulness as paying attention in the present moment without judgment. So going back to 2004, as I struggled with my dad's death, I read a lot of books to help with my grief. So, you know, I got into this through mindfulness and reading meditation books at that time. Out of the many, one that stands out is Dr. John Kabat-Zinn's book, Wherever You Go, There You Are. Many neuroscientists continue to study the powerful effects of mindfulness on the brain and the body, but the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction, or MBSR, program is one of the most widely studied, which was designed by Dr. Jon Kabat-Zinn. These studies found that changes within the brain can occur after just eight weeks through this training program, and I've used stress management techniques through mindfulness meditation that have carried me through the most difficult times in my own life. From my dad's passing, the struggles in medical school, residency, through my mom's recent passing, and working as a hospitalist caring for sick coronavirus patients during this pandemic. And here to talk with us in more depth about mindfulness is Dr. Jessie Mahoney, MD, a board certified pediatrician, a certified life coach, and a yoga and mindfulness instructor. She talks about how the discovery of yoga really changed things for her and gave her more clarity towards her true calling. She discusses how mindfulness can activate your relaxation mode in your body to allow it to restore and heal itself. She focuses on how pausing and being present in your own life creates the space to give you the freedom to decide how you want to show up. So for those feeling anxious about all that's going on, and for those that think you have a racing mind, I dedicate this episode to you. Mindfulness is really the key. And here she is to talk about it is Dr. Jessie Mahoney. First of all, thanks for coming back on the show. Now you may remember from her last episode during our launch series on her answer to the question on defining health. But let's welcome back to the show, Dr. Jessie Mahoney. So thank you again for coming back. Last time we discussed just your definition of health, and we didn't go into much detail on what you do. So your specific specialty is pediatrics, but now you also are a yoga instructor, a mindfulness instructor, as well as a certified life coach. So take us back to your early days. Why pediatrics and how or why did you make the jump from pediatrics to now like, you know, yoga, mindfulness and being a life coach?
1: So I was always going to do pediatrics. That's kind of interesting. I just love kids and I feel like if we make changes at the beginning of life, that sets people up for the whole rest of their life. I also really like the sort of just magical bit of childhood and the way they just are very present. It's funny, I hadn't thought about that till in how it ties into the mindfulness, but kids tend to be much more mindful than the rest of us. And they're just right. sort of enjoying and being in the present. And as a pediatrician, even kids who are super sick and have chronic illness, they tend to still show up that way. They haven't sort of carried the burdens of the world with them yet. So this idea that, you know, it's an opportunity to start fresh and like build a healthy life and create a healthy family dynamic, I can make more of a difference upfront by Mm -hmm. being involved. And I just love kids. So I think that's probably really why I ended up in pediatrics. Newborns are my favorite, you know, so, but I feel like, you know, as a physician so much, but particularly as a pediatrician, so much of what we do is education and connecting with families and helping them understand how, what they do impacts their lifelong health. And so that's really why I chose pediatrics. And then probably why I've kind of veered towards the end of my career. So I've actually been a general pediatrician for almost 20 years I did some hospital work also, and I did, much of my career I was a leader in physician wellness, so helping physicians learn how to take care of themselves. So in that process of building programs to help the healers so that they could be sound and whole to heal others, I got involved in a lot of things like mindfulness and yoga and other tools along the way. So I had experience with those, but then a couple of years ago, my own family, I had a busy job, busy doctor job, busy life, lots of leadership roles, lots of teenagers in my life. And my husband developed some mental health issues. And that was sort of Mm. the thing that just pushed (laughs) everything out of balance. And so I started there. I had been involved in yoga before, but things kind of got to a point where I was super overwhelmed and I went back to yoga and I just started going to yoga every day. That was how it started. And it was such a helpful experience that I ultimately decided to become a yoga teacher. I also got a coach a bit into it after I started breathing. And I like to tell people who are overwhelmed, like you just, I literally went and just took some deep breaths. Like I didn't know how to stand on my head. I didn't really know how to do anything. And I hadn't been to yoga class in a really long time. Uh And I just showed up and I just kept showing up because I was like, oh, I feel better. Like I can breathe deeply. And I sort of started to be able to see a little bit more clearly the path forward. And then I got a coach and I worked with my own coach for about six months. And by the end of my own experience getting coached, and doing yoga. So they kind of happened at the same time. I had already become a yoga teacher because it was such a powerful experience. So I signed mm-hmm. up for the teacher training and then I became a coach because what I saw is that both of these two, I don't even know what you call them, almost a lifestyle, right? And a different mm-hmm. way of thinking was mm-hmm. so transformative and so much more helpful than anything else I had tried or told my patients to try or I had helped my physician colleagues try and they weren't hurt you know, they're changing Mm -hmm. your mindset. It's work, but any of us can do it. It's not like you have to climb Mount Everest or stand on your head. And so what I realized is these are very accessible tools. And so I wanted to, in both cases, I actually did the trainings to be a coach and be a yoga teacher, mostly because I wanted to learn more. Now, Mm -hmm. what I've discovered in the process of all of that is I am actually a natural teacher. Even more so potentially than the natural healer, and that 's why I probably gravitated towards pediatrics and physician Interesting. Wellness. I love teaching people I and I, I love my approach to medicine has always been to empower others so empower parents to take care of their kids, so they don 't always need to ask me the question because I know having lived through now three teenagers that like, I'm not going to be there when they're 14 and they don't know what to do. And all, you know, Mm
0: -hmm. they need
1: to be empowered and build those mutually respectful relationships all the way along the way. And so my job is to really teach them how to do that and make good health decisions and have them teach their children how to do that.
0: Wow. That's a very incredible (laughs) path that you you've taken. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned you were in mindfulness prior to, you know, the personal stuff that happened in your life with your husband getting sick. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess my question is why, how did you even get into it to begin with? If those things weren't the impetus to start from the get-go, like what, what about mindfulness drew you to it?
1: Um, You know, I did some yoga as a medical student. I went to UCSF in the nineties and there was this great yoga teacher. And literally I just showed up and she taught you how to like focus on your toes and, I don't. It was a very, it's an interesting exercise that no one else has ever done. And mm-hmm. I just found it very helpful. And so it's like when something was super powerful, when you get to a point where, you know, things are feeling very overwhelming, you kind of go back to like, oh yeah, there was that thing that really helped me. And so it mm-hmm. stuck with me. I got very sidetracked. You know, I had a busy career. I had three kids. I was working full, you know, so I got kind of sidetracked from it. And now, what I realize is that, and this would actually be one of my main messages, is it isn't that you have to be someone who meditates and does mindfulness and does all these things every day. You can make it part of your life. It's easy along the way. So I didn't need to have the time to do it, but I just didn't know how to do it. And it wasn't, you know, I felt like, oh, well, I have to go take a meditation class or, oh, well, I have to be able to do X instead of just being able to incorporate it into your life moment by moment.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a very good point because I feel like part of the reason why maybe someone doesn't start is because they think they need to do that. They need to be, you know, under the guidance of, let's say, a meditation teacher, attend a yoga class, you know, every week. You don't need any of that stuff. You could just do it on your own. You know, I've been doing, meditation since 2004 and similar to what you just said you know there are times when I got really busy and I stopped doing it but you know you you kind of think back to those moments like wow that really helped me out I should get back into it and so I think now where I am in my life you know that's many years ago I do it daily now and even if it's only for you know five minutes you know just that small amount of time helps us to set the day for a day of success and a day of just you know approaching your day in a mindful and thoughtful way. And so I think that like that's a great message to get across because you know a lot of people won't get started just because they think it needs to be perfect. And it doesn't. You just what you need to do is just do it like you said, you know, go to the yoga classes every day and just show up. And you know, after some time, days, weeks, you'll start to see tremendous benefits. So I think that's a very important message. Well,
1: people often think they're doing it wrong. And you can't do it wrong. You just yeah, practice, right? Yeah,
0: you gotta just do it. Yeah, exactly. And so what I wanted to also get across is I guess the concept of mindfulness might be foreign to some people. You know, they they've heard what meditation is, but really what you know, what what is mindfulness in your own terms and how would you explain it to to our listeners? What is it exactly?
1: So I think there's actually lots of definitions. And so I think there's more strict definitions, more loose definitions. I grew up in Berkeley, so I come from the loose definition (laughs) crowd. But I like to think of it as just pausing and being present. And so Mm. you can do it at any moment. And I think that's what made it so accessible is like, even if you missed your morning thing, because something happened. And, you know, I deal with a lot of parents where things don't go as you think they might right and so you right. miss it you can still be mindful you can be mindful in the while you're driving you can be one of my favorite things is to be mindful in the car when you're home but you're not inside you just take a few mm. minutes to mm-hmm. be mindful there and you right. can it's as simple as just noticing so i like to be mindful in nature where you just literally sit and notice like what do you see what do you hear what do you feel what do you smell and i think from the pediatric standpoint. You know, kids are can be really mindful if you just ask them to slow down and notice and they will say the darndest things. But it helps you to kind of realize what is mindfulness, right? You're just in the moment. You're not judging it. You're not thinking about what happened before or what happened after. And again, the key thing, which I just said, is not judging it. So much of our world is like, that's a bad thing or it's a good thing. And it's like, well, I'm just here right now in this moment. And it's not just your brain a break. It gives your whole body a break, right? It gives everything a break. It's just a moment to just be. And I think in our world, we don't do that anymore. It's kind of like a reset.
0: Right, right. It's funny you bring up the whole like, you know, kid approach because we have a two-year-old and, you know, sometimes just watching him makes me laugh, but it also reminds me of, yeah, you got to approach things with, you know, an open mind and like a beginner's mind because, you know, oftentimes the greatest joy comes out of that. Like, we just went to a strawberry patch field, you know, several weeks ago. And it's just so funny seeing him, uh, you know, seeing these things for the first time. And he, like, grabbed the strawberry and, like, bit into it and then just said to me, he's like, Strava Dada. And I'm like, yeah, that is a strawberry. So it's just, you know, those type of moments where you have to just be present in the moment without, you know, judging things and let things be. And I think through that, you can gain, like, a, a profound sense of understanding what your life can be, right?
1: I mm-hmm. also really like to come back to the breath. And so mm. whenever you are like, I found this particularly just, you know, if you're at work in the midst of busy patient day or something is stressful when you pause and then you take a deep breath, that you are immediately mindful, right? And right. it changes your whole physiology and just sort of stops everything. And then you can be present with it. Kind of an easy cue,
0: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, because it's always available to us, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I guess, you know, you, you kind of touched on it, but like, you know, in your opinion, why do you think mindfulness would be important to any one person? What do you think it can provide to someone on a daily basis?
1: Well, I think it provides space is the word that I would think of. So when you create space and when you have that space, you can be much more intentional about what you want to fill it with if you're constantly just doing everything, you're constantly reacting and not responding, right? And so that's that Victor Frankl quote about your power is in the space between the stimulus and the response. And so right. the power of mindfulness for everyone is kind of space and then you can be intentional once you've created a little bit of space. In that space comes all kinds of things, right? It gives your body a chance to reset. But then you can be intentional about what you want to do. So many of us in life just react and go from one thing to the next thing and don't even pause to take a deep breath. I talk to lots of doctors who don't don't hardly breathe during the day. It's like, oh, yeah, I didn't (laughs) realize I wasn't breathing, you know. And so mindfulness just creates this gap. And in that gap is where all your power is, kind of how you want to live your life, what you want to do, even, you know, when you get better, more practiced at it, you can be more deliberate with your thoughts and you can be more deliberate with your actions. But the first part of mindfulness and that is just to create space. And in that space is where all the opportunity and possibility and change. And I would throw in health, right? Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How is it helpful for, for your health?
1: Yeah. Well, we know mindfulness changes your health in so many ways. And, and even just the breath triggers that parasympathetic nervous system, right? The, right? the calm and the peaceful and the recovery. So many of us live in the sympathetic or the fight or flight, the constant go, go, go. And so mindfulness flips you back into the, the pausing, relaxing, restoring set, which essentially lets your body heal.
0: Right, I think it's important to talk about this, especially during this time where there's, you know, a lot of anxiety going on around right now because of the coronavirus epidemic and social injustice. And you know, there's some friends of mine. You know, I was actually just before we got on this chat, someone reached out to me over social media, and they they were basically saying, you know, they feel very overwhelmed because they feel like they're at high risk for getting a severe infection and other people are just kind of taking it lightly. And, you know, for her, that's very anxiety provoking because, you know, one, she's worried about her health. Two, she feels like, you know, her life doesn't really matter to these people who are just taking it so lightly. And I actually did a recent talk on mindfulness for a a company luncheon. And I, I was, I don't know if I want to say shocked, but I was kind of alarmed about how many questions there were about people just feeling very anxious right now. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I wanted to ask you is the people who are out there listening and feeling very anxious about, you know, what's going on in society, but, you know, on a day-to-day, what specific things can they just do for themselves to kind of slow things down from like a practical standpoint? Yeah,
1: so I have a couple thoughts. First of all, and this comes from my coaching hat, but I am coached mindfully, so I bring mindfulness into coaching. And the idea is that, of course, you're anxious right now. Right. And so rather than resisting it, right, because what we resist grows stronger, just allow yourself to be anxious. There's a pandemic in our midst. There's so much uncertainty. We can't control what other people are doing. And so rather than trying to say, like, I need to make everyone else act a certain way, if you just, I like to say it's accept and allow. <laughs> and it doesn't mean you like it. You don't like that there's a deadly pandemic. You don't like that the person is you know, not wearing their mask. But fighting reality takes tons and tons of energy. And so it's mm-hmm. this, you can be aware of it. You can notice it and be aware of your anxiety and notice that and allow it for one. So the key is that when you allow it, rather than letting the anxiety just be, right, then you're in control and it's not in control. That's where the mindfulness comes in. So mm-hmm. what I like to say is put the anxiety in a little suitcase and bring it with you right? During this COVID epidemic and all the things in the world and job loss and all that stuff, right? Of course we're anxious and it's just going to come along for the ride. And I'm just going to have it be there. And then you can let it in and let it out. Like when you feel like you need to, or want to, but it's not running the show you're running the show. Right. And you can. um, And so then you have to kind of be thoughtful and mindful about when you bring it out and when you bring it in. So you can also just breathe, right? To be able to, because you need the pause to be able Mm. to be conscious about what you're doing about the anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. So if the anxiety is just going, you just take a deep breath, pause, and notice what happens. And then you're like, oh, right, I'm anxious. No Mm -hmm. judgments, right? It's just the awareness. You're just
0: labeling, right? Of
1: course I'm anxious, right? Because all this crazy stuff is going on. Oh, right, and I'm going to probably stay anxious for a while, and that's okay, too. And then I'm going to just allow it to be there, but not, because, you know, when you squash things down with that heavy weight, they just, it's like putting a beach ball under the water. They just, <laughs> it just up, pops. right? Yeah, exactly. So instead you're just like, let that beach ball float around with me and we'll have that anxiety. And it's so you're being mindful about it and you're accepting it and allowing it. And again, you do not have to like it. That is actually one of the key tenants of coaching, right? So uh-huh. It doesn't mean that you say that, oh, we should be doing this or someone else should be wearing, it's, you're not judging it. It just is, right? Right. And I would say that it's unrealistic for anyone to not have some amount of anxiety in the world right now, right?
0: Sure, of course, yeah. I mean, myself included, you know, and it's, you know, you're totally right, you know, and I think that being able to, as you referenced before, create that space for yourself each day, even if it's just for moments at a time, it starts, you know, adding up each day. You'll, you might end up doing it for a longer period of time. And over time, you'll really see the benefits, benefits like in your own mind, but like, you know, how you approach things and how you speak and your communication with others. Like it, it's just, it has such profound benefits. So
1: it becomes a habit, right? It's neural circuitry. So the more you practice it right now, your habit might be to be worried, right? And the more you worry, your habit is to worry. So when you practice just allowing things and being and being mindful and creating space, that's where your brain goes when it's triggered.
0: Right. So, you know, I guess another question that popped up in my head is there are people out there that are intrigued with getting into mindfulness and, you know, meditation, yoga, but maybe saying to themselves, you know, my mind just races way too much. So this is not the thing for me. I don't think I can do mindfulness or meditation. So what, what do you tell those people?
1: So I tell people anyone can do it and you can start anywhere, right? And so I think, as I mentioned, right? One breath, that's how you just start with one breath. You can take a deep breath and just pause. I've had people tell me, well, I don't like to breathe. Like that's too stressful. <laughs> and I'm just like, just try it a little slower, <laughs> right? It's literally just noticing. So you can start anywhere. I think so many of us don't do things because we can't we're not, you know, at the finish line, or we can't do the 30 minute meditation, but you can start with 30 seconds or three seconds, right? Right. So literally, if you walk out the door, and you just look at the plant next to you, that's actually a moment can be a moment of mindfulness. And you just start where you are. In coaching, we say start by starting. Right, right. So just start, right. And you don't have to do the long meditation. And I think for those people whose minds race, it's the most important for them, right. And they, just by starting to take a breath and just start by pausing. I mean, that's the thing, right? Anyone can just pause for a second, pause for three seconds, pause for five seconds. And I think what almost every person notices is that as hard as it might be to do that first one, as soon as they do it, they notice a change. And then it's like, oh, I'm going to try that again. And mindfulness does not allow beating yourself up over it. You're not supposed to judge yourself. You just try again, right? Because it would be unmindful to do that. So you just start again. You're kind of defeating
0: the purpose. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. you just (laughs) start again. So you
1: can't fail. And I think that's the thing. If you have a racing mind, then you just need to pause. Take a deep breath, right? It's not supposed to be hard. I, I would say in our culture, we often make things hard, right? It's like, well, if you run, you have to run a marathon or you can't just, you know, it has to be a 10K or 5K. Literally, if you run a block, that's better than not running at all. Right. Or even a half a block. And so same thing with mindfulness. You just start where you are.
0: You know, I think you're right. But I think it's like hard in the sense that you're basically training your mind to think the way it hasn't maybe ever right? And so deprogramming your mind and reprogramming it to think in a certain way is hard for, I mean, a lot of people. So I think in that part, it's hard, but like you were saying, yeah, it's easy when it comes down to it, you just have to give it a shot and be patient with yourself, you know, and not judge yourself for not being able to do it. And it's just so funny because like when I first started doing it, I would put myself in that category of people where I thought my mind raced way too much. You know, the whole reason why I went into it was because after my dad passed away, it was just very difficult for me at that age and that time to deal with all the thoughts I was experiencing. So I would really beat myself up. Like, why am I not doing it well? Like, I, you know, I'm thinking even faster than I thought before. And sometimes I would get frustrated and give up, but it really, I think that was like 16 years ago. So I've come a far away. And yes, I understand, like, I have a lot more experience under my belt because of that, but you know, that's not to say that those feelings don't come back at certain moments in time and especially now, but I've trained my mind to be able to do it. So, you know, I encourage people, like you said, even if it's just for moments, just allow yourself to try to do it and without judgment. You know, I know that also too, you are a, a coach, a life coach, but you also recently created this um, organization called the uh, Mindful health care Collective. Mm-hmm. And so- This is targeting physicians specifically, correct?
1: Yeah, so the Mindful Healthcare Collective is actually not just physicians, it's anyone who works in healthcare. I see. We have a sister organization that's called the Mindful Healing Collective, which is actually for anyone. So, because we really do want to create a space where patients and not just patients, but society at large can learn about the benefits of mindfulness. And we did want to create within the Mindful Healthcare Collective, a somewhat of a special place for people who are healing others, like the healers to find healing and to understand mindfulness. And I have a vision that really, and this came from my work in physician wellness, that if all of the healers understand mindfulness and understand the power of it, and we approach our work as healers mindfully and are present with the people that we take care of and present in our own life, everyone will benefit, right? And then our right. patients and the rest of all the people we care for, when we are talking about how to be mindful and modeling how to be mindful, they can understand it better and see the benefits, and then they will ultimately be healthier. And so I if you have the healers being, being more mindful, they can teach those people that they are healing, and then we just have a more mindful world. Right.
0: I mean, yeah, I agree. I, I think that like targeting physicians specifically and you know, healthcare workers in general, because they're the ones providing care, you know, oftentimes we're so busy with, with how we're practicing that we don't take those moments to care for ourselves. And I think it's just super important to get this message across to individual physicians because we see an alarming amount of physicians leaving medicine to begin with and why is that? Yeah, you can say it's systemic. There's, there, you know, built in this system, it's easy for physicians and healthcare workers to be burnt out. But, you know, I think with mindfulness, it helps to reestablish your passion for caring for others, right? right. It creates, you know, there, space.
1: You
0: creates yeah, space. It creates
1: care for others.
0: Yeah, it creates space. And, you know, I think there is a, a certain true joy that comes with taking care of others. There's this old Buddhist saying that goes, you know, if you want to be miserable think about yourself. But if you want to be happy, think about others. And, you know, I I think that has resonated with me throughout the years when I first like heard that message. And, you know, I think it's just it's so crucial for where we are in healthcare right now for physicians to take care of themselves, because without that, it's hard to optimize care for other people if you're not taking care of yourself.
1: Right. And I always like to say it doesn't mean that the system doesn't need healing and our world doesn't need healing. It's really just about healing yourself so you can show up as the best person for where we are right now. And you can be part of the solution, right? If you're just exhausted and reacting and overwhelmed, it's very hard to be part of the solution. And so it's really to heal yourself so that we can heal others and heal everything, you know, to create a better world.
0: So... I guess from your experience cuz clearly you have a lot of you know years under your belt and experience with mindfulness I'm sure there's times in your own life when things kind of feel like out of control and you feel super anxious like <laughs> what do you do in those moments you know what goes through your mind like take us through how you think through that and, and you're able to like get past it
1: Yeah you know I will just say it happens to everybody and it happens to everybody every day. And so when you look, you know, I think people look at certain people and say like, oh, they're the mindfulness person or I used to be known as the wellness person because I did tons of institutional wellness, right? And it's like, she's the wellness person. She's totally well and nobody's totally well and nobody's totally mindful. And to me, it's really this thought that I say in a lot of my yoga classes, which is the breath is always available to you. So I literally just pause and take a deep breath and the key thing about being mindful is to stop and be mindful right and so is right. to notice that you're not being mindful and right. so i think one of the key things is being mindful about how you feel and for physicians so many of us so i work with a lot of physicians as a coach and we cannot we don't know what it means to feel something or what those feelings are or what the names are because we've been taught along the way to not feel the stuff, to get through and to move as quickly as possible. And so mindfulness is really allowing yourself to notice again and notice the feeling. So as soon as you notice that feeling of tension, which to me is a moment of mindfulness, right? You just notice it and you then say, oh, okay, deep breath, that's literally what I do. And then I kind of figure out what's possible. Cause sometimes nothing is possible but a deep breath, right? We right. often, we can't change COVID, we can't change. Right there are things maybe we can change. In coaching, we are very clear about what the facts are and what our thoughts about the facts are. And the mm-hmm. facts are things that can't be changed. And so arguing mm-hmm. with the facts and arguing with reality doesn't help. So for me, it's being mindful, saying, okay, these are the facts. And wow, I'm feeling all these things, right? And you just notice it. Take a deep breath. So you create space. And in that space is where you can address, like, how do I want to think about this? How do I want to show up for this? And that's that's what I... Describe it's more directed mindfulness. So I think of coaching as like directed mindfulness, whereas meditation and mindfulness of literally sitting outside and watching the little leaves on the tree or the little bug or, you know, really just focusing on something. There's lots of ways to bring mindfulness in.
0: Wow, that was really beautiful. So I guess I wanted to ask you with more talk in the mainstream about mindfulness, you know, we see a lot of apps out there, guided meditation apps like. Headspace and Calm, where do you see this movement going?
1: Hopefully it keeps going. (laughs) I mean, kind of like it is in the sense, I would like it to be mainstream. And so my dream, as I said, was that if you get all of the physicians, and I actually think it's broader than that, right? Because if just the physicians are mindful, but everyone else in the healthcare arena isn't, it doesn't change. You know, you need everyone who's working in health to understand mindfulness, right? Right. And then we can be teaching it to everyone else and modeling it. <laughs> and right. then that will ultimately change health. And I would love, you know, and it's begun in pediatrics, you know, kids are learning this stuff in school. And kids are learning mindfulness and the starfish and all of the things they can do with their fingers and how to pause and breathe. And they actually will I'll be explaining something to a parent, and they'll step in and say, "Oh, we learned that at school, Mom." You know. <laughs> so my hope is that we will go backwards to a world where mindfulness is normal, right. It's not something to be learned. And as the pediatrician, right, I want if we raise our children mindfully and approach whatever problems show up with them mindfully, they're watching. It'll become more mainstream. And so,
0: right.
1: you know, whether people start with Headspace, what to me it's whatever's accessible. Right? Mm-hmm. If you don't have a phone and you don't have mm-hmm. headspace, we all have our breath. And um, you have
0: a head and you can make space yeah. for yourself. Yeah,
1: you can make space yeah. for yourself. And I've actually gone so far as to say, and I still think it's true, that even in the ICU, you can be mindful, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you are like in an induced coma and someone's breathing for you, then I think you can't. But mm-hmm. sort of that, you know, say you're in there and you can't, you can still kind of be mindful. You're, you can use your mind. Our minds are these incredibly powerful things. And so just, you know, noticing your toes in a certain scenario, I'll go back to my very first yoga teacher, right? (laughs) I learned that lesson very well, but wherever you are, you can just pay attention to your toes, right? And you can transport yourself somewhere else. And so using that to help heal and help create space for yourself so that we can show up for whatever's coming next in this world, you know, intentionally
0: that's intentionally, right.
1: Intentionally, right?
0: <laughs> right, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, we, we gotta wrap things up, but where can people find you online?
1: Yeah, so I run something called pause and presence coaching, and it's www.jessiemahoneymd.com and jesse is J-E-S-S-E. IE.
0: I-E. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so you can find me there. And on that page is information about coaching, information about yoga, information about the Mindful Healthcare Collective. If people are interested, the Mindful Healing Collective is open to anyone. So if there's anyone who doesn't work in healthcare but wants to learn more about mindfulness, there's a lot of resources and opportunities there as well. And the Mindful Healthcare Collective is www.mindfulhealthcarecollective.com, and the other is Mindful Healing Collective. And I would love to hear from you. Can reach out to me there at Pause and Presence Coaching, or through my name.
0: Okay, fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Dr. Jesse. I, you know, I love talking about this stuff. It's great talking to someone else who is very passionate about it. So, thank you again for coming on the show. Hopefully, you know, in the future we can talk on more specific topics within mindfulness, um, but that's all the time we have. So take care and we'll see you soon. Okay. Thank you. So what did you think? How powerful was that discussion with Dr. Jesse Mahoney? What resonated with you about what she said? I hope you are inspired by this talk to learn more about how practicing mindfulness can help create the space in your own life to see you have more power over your situation than you realize. And if you want to personally reach out about this or previous topics, I'd love to hear it. So hit me up on my email, drjonar at gmail.com or on my social media accounts. Also, please let Dr. Jessie Mahoney know on her socials what you think about this talk. You can find all those links in our show notes. I am so thankful that Dr. Mahoney was on the show and as always so thankful to you for tuning in to hear us. So if you like what you heard, please download, subscribe, listen, rate and review my podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and share it with your family, friends and online. Thanks again to the wonderful and smart Amelia Liu, my intern to Jacob Ferrer for production help and to Stock Sounds for the music. And lastly to you. Thank you again for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode with Dr. Sung Wan, an orthopedic spine specialist, a plant-based advocate for his patients, and my personal mentor from afar. Remember, your state of health starts with your state of mind. So till next time, enjoy the process, my friends. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not medical advice, so please talk to your primary physician for that. In addition, the views and opinions expressed by me are my own and not that of my former, current, or future employer. This also applies to my guests. Finally, we do our best to make every effort to relay correct information. We do not guarantee its accuracy. Thank you for listening.